Hey, welcome to week two of the Hockey Podcast, Free For All Fridays. We're back already, and it's a very unusual summer. There's very little time taking off this year. Obviously, the topics are going to continue hot and heavy right into the regular season. Let's actually just um, dive right into it. So, how is it there's people now talking about, oh my god, the Canadians shouldn't have traded Jeff Petrie? Why? This is the same player that everybody last year had nothing good to say about, needs to go, is having a horrific year, is part of the problem, and now everybody says, oh, we should have kept him. And not only should we have kept him, that we didn't get adequate trade assets in return. You got a defenseman in return that's six years younger and very similar offensively, probably even a better skater, at least as good if not better. So you didn't lose anything, and you got younger. So I'm trying to figure out how that is a problem or a bad trade. Now, the issue that I might have with that trade, as we discussed on episode one, is that the fourth-round pick in the 2023 draft, though interesting because it's going to be a very good draft, a very deep draft, so mid-round draft picks will probably have even greater talent selection there than some other drafts have had, is the including of Ryan Paling. Being that he was a former first-round pick, yeah, I would have loved to see them maybe leverage him and send him to Minnesota, hometown, home kid. You might have been able to get more for him. The Wild are looking for centers because they, too, have had some roster changes. So maybe there was an opportunity there. But overall, the issue with Ryan Paling that somebody has to be concerned about if nobody is, is his health. Yeah, he he looks to be and could be a very capable third-line center, is very smart, is defensively sound, sees the ice well. Yes, he's 6'2", he's 196 pounds, that's all true. Unfortunately, he's also had a lot of concussions, or at least a couple of them, and you got to worry about somebody at 22 or 23 years of age. You have to be concerned about that a little bit. And I hope he has a very long, distinguished, and outstanding career. But that's a bit of a concern from a health perspective that way. But let's get back to Petrie for a second. He asked for a trade. I mean, did people forget he actually requested a trade? He didn't fit the coach's style. Did he play better in his last 23 games under Martin St. Louis for the season? Yeah, he did. And you know what? He may go on because of the other veteran talent. And I'm talking about Chris Letang. I'm talking about Sidney Crosby. I'm talking about Evgeny Melkin and the many other talented players that Pittsburgh has. Pittsburgh is in an all-in mode. So he's going to gel better with that older team. He's going to have more talent around him. So, yeah, if, if he turns out to have a season in which is a career year and let's just go all out and go really off the table and say he's a Norris Trophy candidate. Is everybody going to tell Montreal then that the management's done a horrible job in this trade? He wouldn't have had those players to play with. That is a huge disconnect that fans or other people seem to not understand is when a player goes somewhere else, generally somebody's looking for a player that fits their scheme, their plans, their game day style. So of course, what they're looking for, given the fact that they've chosen that asset from another team in the league, should fit like a very good puzzle piece, if not an exact fit. So obviously they're going to play better. That's the whole idea is you're getting better by acquiring something. Montreal, in the meantime, 
I don't think Montreal really right now, although one could argue that they're always focused winning the Stanley Cup. That's true. I mean, every season in Montreal, everybody wants to win the Stanley Cup. Nothing wrong with that great attitude. But I think the thoughts moving forward right now is we have a train wreck to take apart and to reassemble. And we need to put pieces in place for that train to once again run smoothly. Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Caden Gooley, Arbor Akjai, Logan Milo, Jordan Harris, Sean Farrell, Uri Slavkowski, Philip Mazur. There's a lot of talent going in there. And that wasn't even including players like Joshua Wah, Simon Simone. I mean, there's a lot of pieces there. Okay. And that's where Montreal is focused on right now and player development and making sure everybody's ready. Nobody's being put in a spot that they're not in the best spot to win and excel with the talents that they have. And everybody's playing with somebody that covers up somebody else's deficiencies. That's where Montreal's at right now. So if anybody says, oh my God, look at the season Jeff Petrie's having, look at the team he's gone to. He's going to a team, again, they're all in with veteran players. So of course, there's the potential he could have a really good season. Everybody could sit there and go, oh, we should have had him there. He wouldn't have played that way can't expect players to play the same way in your town if they don't have a player of star level like Pittsburgh has several of it's it's just it's an insane process it's an it's insanity to consider well he should be playing that well here yeah well you don't have that kind of established talent level here that's a problem and also a very tremendous difference between franchises and Not, of course, to be forgotten in this discussion is the COVID restrictions in different countries. And it's been no secret that Canada has been a little mandate happy with their COVID restrictions. And hey, if that's worked for people and kept people safe, then all the better. Fine. But unfortunately, it got in the way of him seeing his family. And to be isolated from your family, not be able to see your kids grow up, that's going to have a profound effect. And as you can see from the departure responses of both Jeff Petrie and his wife, Julie, they were very gracious. They were very thankful to the city. They will miss the city. They will come back to the city on vacations because there's places that mean a tremendous amount to them. So there shouldn't be any hard feelings out there. There shouldn't be anybody carrying a grudge. I mean, hopefully everybody's a professional and everybody's an adult. For once, everybody is acting age-appropriate, which is a term that's usually used in a bizarre way, but this is definitely an example of that term being an accurate use of age-appropriate. Let's all be adults. I can recall last season several times people talking about Jeff Petrie seemed like he was almost tripping over himself, and now you got people that's like, oh my God, this is going to leave a big hole on the right side of the defense. Has anybody looked at the prospect list or... The amount of players that are still on that team. You have Justin Baron, you have David Savard, you have Chris Weidman, you have Corey Schumann, who can play both sides. Jordan Harris can play both sides. Matthias Norlander can play both sides. So there is no problem with a gaping hole on the right side of that defense. The other issue that people, and this is bizarre that people seem to have this issue, is you have a lot of people It's like, oh my God, we cannot start three or four rookies on the defense. Why? Does anybody recall why Sidney Crosby 
and Evgeny Malkin, one of the main reasons they've developed into the players that they are, because when Pittsburgh drafted them, they let them play. They understood the concept, there's going to be mistakes. As long as you learn from your mistakes and you're not making the same mistakes over and over and over, it's not a problem. If you're making the same mistakes, not understanding what they are and not improving your game, yeah, that's 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 a problem. And that is a development problem. But the fact of Jordan Harris, Caden Gooley, uh, Arbor Akjai, let's just say as examples, all starting next year, or name another combination. Matthias Norlander you can put in there. Okay, you can, you can put a number of different players in there. And let's not forget, they signed Corey Schoenerman and Otto Leskinen to one-year deals. So worst-case scenario, none of these guys are apparently ready. You've got six starting defensemen with experience. And if not a lot of NHL experience, for example, Otto Leskinen, a lot of international experience. You are no worse off than you were last year. You're younger, and you have a more mobile defense at the very minimal. So for anybody that's sitting there going, well, you know, we need to make sure our goaltenders have a Stanley Cup level defenseman in front or defense in front of them. That's not going to happen anyway. So that that's just a, that that's a dream somebody's having. Okay, you're you're not going to have that defense. That defense is going to grow together when you have on the left side Caden Gooley, Arbor Akjai, Jordan Harris. On the right side, maybe you have Justin Baran, you have Jaden Struble, and you have Logan Mylou. So you've got, that. that's the thing. Montreal actually doesn't need to draft any defensemen. You've got at least nine defensemen coming that are going to easily make that team. Okay, and I don't say easily like it's not an effort. Nothing about the NHL is easy, but these guys all possess the talent and the skill level required to get there. The big difference is going to be, for the first time since Sam Pollock and Scotty Bowman, you have a management team and a coach at the same time, on the same page, that understand development that understand how to work together, that have the same ideas, that don't try to tell each other how to do their jobs. So Martin St. Louis might have been, even beyond having the number one pick overall, the greatest asset that the Montreal Canadiens picked up last year, in addition to their new general manager, Ken Hughes, and Vice President of Hockey Operations, Jeff Gordon. That is going to be a fantastic team well into the future. And as a side note here for a second, let's talk about for the moment, I already hear people questioning Ken Hughes as a general manager. Or, Do you think he's done a good job? What qualifications does anybody have to question what Ken Hughes does? That's, that's my first question. Not that he's beyond question, but the guy has brought a unique thought process and mentality to a job that's actually thinking outside the box, which is something Montreal has needed for decades. New thought, new way, something different. Modernize the franchise. Kent Hughes, along with Martin St. Louis, and then add Vincent LeCavalier as a special advisor? It's like you won the lottery. You could very well already at least have one of the top three management teams in the league. You've got perspectives and angles covered within that management team that most organizations don't have. 
And that is impressive. That is a very impressive move by Jeff Molson. Not to mention you have some new people that have been hired throughout the organization for different departments that should make transparency one of our big words of the decade. People love to use and should make for great relations between all different sources and the organization. They've made countless improvements. They've made improvements to what basically didn't exist before. You now have an analytics department. You didn't even have that. So that, that's a whole new dimension to the development, drafting, expectation, player skill sets, how to measure them. Moving on to another topic that just continues the fester like a bad infection and will not go away. What is the Pierre-Luc Dubois obsession about? How many people really believe that either this coming season or the season after, the Montreal Canadiens are going to win the Stanley Cup. Now, that being said, I would love to see that happen. We all would. However, let's be realistic about this. In the current situation, not likely. I mean, you could put a dollar down and, and bet on it, and if they won, it'd be a hell of a return on that dollar. It's not going to happen. Nice idea, but let's get over that, okay? It's going to take a little bit to put together the exceptional group of talent that they have, develop the chemistry that they need, develop a system that works for all of them once the lines are established and in place. No doubt, Ken Hughes, Martin St. Louis, Jeff Gordon all have a very detailed plan in mind that they're putting into place. That being said, Pierre-Luc Dubois makes no sense to obtain. Again, like we talked about last week, I get the local thing. I get the francophone. I get the want to have a local hero to look up to and admire and things like that. Jonathan Druin should be running through everybody's veins. I don't think anybody wants a repeat of that scenario. However, just so we don't go down the negative rabbit hole, that being said, you can have him for free in two years. Why would anybody trade any assets? And honestly, that has got to suck for Winnipeg. And it also has to suck for Calgary, who already lost Johnny Gaudreau and is going to lose Matthew Kachuk. And the players in this case have a lot of, especially in Calgary, all the cards are in their hands. And that sucks for that organization. Okay, that just as a side discussion here for a moment, would if I was Calgary, that would change the entire way I draft players and where I draft players from. Because that is just something that no organization should constantly deal with. I agree. There was a, um, another podcast I was listening to earlier in the week. Aaron Ward was a guest on it. And he's absolutely right. Players have that right and should test the market. And they earned it. I don't deny any of that. He is dead on 100%. However, it's still got to suck for the organization. In Johnny Goudreau's case, I get it. It was totally family-related. He wanted to be closer to his family. And again, credit to Aaron Ward. He was right on the mark when he said sometimes players just want to live in a life of ambiguity. They just don't want to be center stage. They want to just go about their life and not be recognized, not be dealt with, not be hounded all the time. He's absolutely 100% correct. There is no way to argue against any of that. Unfortunately, though, it's going to leave Calgary in a shambles. The opportunity to recover from this, it's going to get really creative for their general manager. He is going to have to get really creative. Can they recover quickly? Can they rebrand the team? Yeah, there's actually an opportunity to do that. Nazem Kadri comes to mind. 
as a opening option. However, the question is, will he want to play there? That that's an that's another option. This is almost on the level or in a similar situation as the whole Eric Lindros and Peter Forsberg scenario, because Eric Lindros didn't want to play in Quebec. It has an eerie similarity to that whole scenario. But back to Pierre Luc Dubois, you can have him for free. And I read an article very disturbingly today that said, well, supposedly the Canadians have offered three of the pieces that Winnipeg wants. I don't know who those three pieces are, but they better be somebody like uh, Christian Dvorak, Josh Anderson, and Mike Hoffman. Or maybe Jake Evans is in there somewhere. A couple of former draft choices, Jacob Olsen and Brett Stapley, who I'm not even sure the Canadians own the rights of anymore. That might have come and gone as the free agency season came upon us this year. Hopefully there's no Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Caden Gooley, Arbor Akjai, Logan Milo, Jordan Harris, Sean Farrell. Hopefully none of those people, and I can keep going with that list, are on that. Because Pierre-Luc Dubois, as I said last week, is not worth one of those players. Especially one of the players I mentioned, Sean Farrell. Don't underestimate that kid. That kid has made the Olympic squads very early. He's been a powerhouse of offense. That kid has some special talents. Just like Lane Hudson that everybody's talking about is gifted, a big brain, offensively gifted and things like that. Don't underestimate Sean Farrell. That is a guy you really want to see on one of your top two lines as the left wing. If Slavkowski is the first one, you definitely want to see him the number two left wing minimal. That kid is going to be something special. That kid's got a lot of talent. Very gifted offensively, very fluid skater, has exceptional vision on the ice. There's a lot of players that talk about how they have great vision on the ice. He really does, and it's evident in his game. Montreal does not want to trade that kid away. There honestly isn't a person in the league I would trade him for, not even Sidney Crosby at this point. Not because I wouldn't love Crosby on my team, and if Crosby was 26 years old, then yeah, I'd trade for him. I'd trade him for Sidney Crosby. But Sidney Crosby's 35. He's on the backside of an incredible career of an incredible player he would be wasting his talents anyways because he's, again, in a win now. Let's see if we can bring one more ring to Pittsburgh mode. And again, Montreal's not in a position to do that right now. But if you can have Pierre-Luc Dubois, for those that are obsessed with him, those that think he's going to be this great addition to the team, let's look on the optimistic side. Let's say yes, you can have him for free in two years. Why would you have a fire sale of the assets and talent that you've worked so hard to acquire that are virtual cornerstones of your team moving forward. And if I had to use the term cornerstone for certain players and prospects, that would be Suzuki, Caulfield, Caden Gooley, Logan Mailu, Sean Farrell, Jordan Harris are all going to be major players. And that's just the short list. I think there's more than that. Montreal has drafted that well. It's been so long since people have seen Montreal develop that kind of talent and see that kind of talent rise through its organization. There's a lot of high high doubters out there right now. I get it. You're looking at the last couple of decades going, I don't care, just go get somebody established. I haven't seen it. That's about to change. That's going to be the major difference with this new management group 
with their fantastic mindset and the coach that they brought in, that is going to change. And J.F. Uhl did an outstanding job last year in Laval. That team recovered under him in so many ways. It's probably easily three or four shows worth of discussion just on the accomplishments he had last year in Laval. So with that, I honestly, I want to wish them the best of luck because they're between a rock and a hard place right now. It's going to be really interesting to see what they can get for Matthew Kachuk. They unfortunately lost Goudreau for nothing. They had to know something was going on. And the fact that it went all the way into the draft and they hadn't signed him yet, I would have traded him to somebody. Nobody can tell me in like the bottom 10 choices of the first round from choices 20 through 30, somebody wouldn't have taken Johnny Goudreau off the Calgary Flames' hands. And yes, people would have looked at Calgary like they were nuts for making the trade. And they should have gotten more, but at least they would have gotten something. They cannot afford to do that again with Kachuk. But unfortunately, Kachuk holds all the cards. He's also listed certain teams only. And it's ironic that three of them have absolutely no taxation or anything else. So obviously those teams have an advantage that way. But they got to get something for him. So whichever one of those teams makes the maximum offer, they're going to have to let him go for that. Which, again, sucks for the organization. It puts them in a very bad position. When was the last time you saw a team lose not only 100-point scorer plus, but two in the same offseason? That is horrific for any organization to go through. So best of luck to Calgary, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Your host, Stephen Stiles, will talk again soon. Thanks for tuning in.